This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At the UPS store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. Welcome to the Olive Podcast. I'm Janine, Olive's deputy editor and podcast host. And each episode, I'll be catching up with chefs, cookery writers, and characters from the food scene in Britain and beyond. Join us each week to expand your food knowledge and do listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where they also reveal their top cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. This is a special live recording of the Olive podcast, which we broadcast on Instagram earlier this week. I'm Janine, host of the podcast, and my guest for this episode is Olive's regular columnist, author and food trends expert, Gerd Loyal. And we're talking all about our favourite cookery books of the summer. So, first of all, Gerd, I thought for people who don't know you, you could just give us a quick intro to who you are and yes. what you do. My chance to talk about me. Yeah, talk about <laughs> you, talk please. About me. Um, so, I am a food writer. I am um, Olive's monthly trend columnist. So, I have a monthly column in Olive magazine where I talk about new ingredients that are exciting me. It could be restaurants that are really exciting me. Um, it could be kind of just something that I'm seeing, like a travel destination. Um, I'm also a trend consultant on the side. So I do spend a lot of time my time eating out and telling people what, predicting the future yeah. of food in many ways. <laughs> um, and I'm a food writer as well. So my yeah. first book, Mother Tongue, Flavors of the Second Generation, came out this March. Yeah. And we are talking about food books today, cookery books. Um, we've got a lovely pile here, which Gerd chose for us. Now, initially, we had a much bigger pile, but <laughs> we, were, we were a bit worried that we weren't going to get <laughs> through them all. Yeah. So we whittled it down to six, um, and we're going to discuss them, going through them, uh, recommending some recipes, telling people what they're about. But first of all, um, 
what I was going to ask you was, are you surprised about the enduring love for cookery books? Because, you know, with all of the content online yeah. and, um, you know, things you can get for free, people are still buying the books and people like yourself yeah. are still writing them. Like, why, why do you think that is? Do you know what? I, I, it's really interesting. I think the love for cookbooks is stronger than it's ever been mm. in many ways. Um, and I, I think my personal view is that as the world gets more and more kind of digital and online, actually, you still want that kind of tactile yeah. connection to something. And especially with something like food, which is so sort of it's such a kind of intimate exchange to make something. And actually, you still want that sort of um, sense of having something that's real and kind of tangible. And actually, yeah. from a food writer's perspective, you just go into so much more depth and it's so much more personal and it's, I think there's that, the idea of having long content and short content and people still want that kind yeah. of deep dive, I think. And for me, and I think it's very true of all the books we're going to talk about today, what you really get from these books is a really sort of considered insight into a food writer's mind, which yeah. you might not necessarily get on an Instagram post, you might not necessarily get on a TikTok, you might not necessarily get through a tweet. But with a book, you really do yeah. get into someone's mind. And actually, for me, I think having that backstory makes the food taste better. Definitely. <laughs> and do you think there's something in the fact that people might not want to cook everything, but they want to kind of, they just want to read the recipes yeah, and the completely. intros and stare at the pics yeah. and kind of dream about it? <laughs> well, this is the thing. I mean, I think you cookbooks, you know, regardless of if you never cook from them, just having them as physical objects. Yeah that kind of become either they're on your coffee table or the things that you read before you go to bed at night and trying to have dreams about cake or whatever it might be there is something about that I think just mm. that kind of it's that thing of um, I remember growing up and things like kind of like catalogues and things yeah. of, of like toys you'd just be <laughs> yeah. you were never going to get all of those <laughs> toys but you really wanted to kind of go yeah. into that and I think for me that's kind of what you get and I think for me you kind of get there's insp I get more inspired by a cookbook and by yeah. kind of going through and kind of almost they're almost like sort of picture stories in a way yeah um and for me i get way more inspired by cookbooks than i do flicking through instagram where just there's much more of a sort of not that i don't flick through instagram all day every day we all do. i love doom, it doom, doom, well not doom, what's <laughs> not your, doom scrolling what's the opposite joy, of doom? Scrolling. Joy, joy scrolling joy scrolling joy scrolling on instagram um, we love that um well let's get into with the first one yes. um baking continues to be a huge trend and our first book um Lovers of Pink Cake by Claire Patak. I'm just going to hold this up so people can see. Is a gorgeous one. Tell us about Claire and her book. Yeah, I love this book. So, I mean, it was really hard to pick from the baking books because there are so many. But for me, this baking book really has stood out um, this year. So Claire Patak is the founder of Violet Bakery um, mm. in East London, um, which is an incredible sort of little... It's kind of a secret spot, but it's not so secret because it's the sort of destination that everyone does kind <laughs> of go to. It's one of the ones to. that everyone's queuing outside. It's one of the ones everyone's <laughs> queuing outside. But there's, you know, there's a reason. It's like, it's really quite an iconic place. Um, yeah. She herself um, is a California native, mm. um, but has been in London since 2005. And she actually previously worked under Alice Waters at Chez Panisse wow. restaurant. Have you ever been to Chez Panisse? Of course not. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you talk to me about California, <laughs> it's like Chez Panisse. I just get really it's, jealous because yeah. I know you, you oh, have been, haven't it's you? It's just the most... So, yeah, yeah. so, so uh, Chez Panisse is sort of this... <laughs> incredible. It's basically where the sort of farm-to-table movement really sort of began. Wow, yeah. And so... 
Well, you really get that sense of sort of this sort of Californian ethos in her cooking. Um, and she was also a food writer and stylist. She spent quite a lot of time working with people like Jamie Oliver uh, and also Otto Lenghi. But mm. very famously, uh, Claire made Harry and Meghan's wedding cake. Oh, OK. That was where, it, where I it was. heard her name. Yeah. Yeah. So it was that incredible lemon and elderflower. I've never yeah. actually made the lemon and elderflower cake, but it sounds completely delicious. Yeah. Um, and... This book is really a celebration of kind of all of that. So it's a book of delicious home baking, but that's really inspired by Claire's two homes, mm. so East London and California. Um, there are around 85 recipes. Yeah. Um, and it, it basically just sort of incorporates seasonal and uh, seasonal fruits, things like freshly picked berries and West Coast Orchard, Coast Orchard Stone fruits. But it's really got recipes for kind of everything. The, yeah. the um, subtitle to this is Irresistible Recipes. Oh, yeah. Bakes for morning, noon and night. Because yeah. I think we talked about this on a, on a trans we podcast, did. didn't we? About breakfast cake, which we're all a big Obsessed fan of. <laughs> exactly. But that's what I really love about yeah. this book is that it's kind of got... Um, it's split. Well, firstly, it's really beautiful. I mean, it has a stunning pink yeah. cover um, and that kind of... And it's got this really lovely, I don't know if you can see, but it, even the typography, there's something yeah. really gorgeous about sort of the way it's been put together. It's and kind of stripped back, yeah. but doesn't feel stark. It's no, really it's homely, but yeah. kind of stripped back. And that's what um, Violet Bakery is like when you go there. Um, look through this as well so people can see. And got... there's, there's lots of um, shots of beautiful California landscape and obviously UK yeah. landscapes as well because I think she incorporates a lot of fruit and seasonal fruits into her bakes, doesn't she? She really does. And you can really sort of see it in the book. It's all got that kind of like hazy Californian kind of dappled light. Mm. Like it's really, you kind of want to dive into the book. Um, what I love about it is the way that it is actually divided. There's a, The whole first half is California and then there's a whole half on England. Nice. Um, but each of those is sort of divided into morning, afternoon, after a meal. Yeah. She has a chapter in each for each part of the world called Party Party, <laughs> which I just think is amazing. You, just, you don't want a party cake, you want a party party cake. And then there's sort of savouries and holiday treats. So yeah. it really does celebrate this kind of any occasion baking. But what you get is really Californian twists on British classics. So she has a Victoria sponge, but hers is a brown sugar Victoria sponge. Oh, lovely, yeah, that Which is good. delicious. So it has that sort of molasses-y, treacle-y mm. kind of added kind of flavour element. Um, she has a raspberry and loganberry roulade, which is delicious. What's a loganberry? I should know this. What is a loganberry? <laughs> um, and so, someone can tell us. Can someone tell us? Someone tell us what's a loganberry. I've had them, but I don't know what you would say that they are. Mm. Anyway, anyway, someone will tell us. Someone will tell us what loganberry is. But then kind of you've got, the, you've got these sort of Californian classics get this mm. kind of global twist. So um, some of the recipes that I really loved in there that I yeah. wanted to pick out. So there's the stacked blueberry jam cake. I've got that one because... It just really reminded me because it's got a little bit of coconut on top as well. A school cake. Uh, yes, yeah, school, school, yes, school jam cake. Jammy exactly. spongy cake with the coconut and the jam but on it's, top. It's kind There's of something so nostalgic it about is, that. It really is, but it's kind of that, but taken to this next level. Firstly, the fact that yeah. it's um, a blueberry jam cake, so you know, yeah. blueberry jam, extremely Californian, but it's stacked. It's very simple, and actually, there's, yeah. there's something really familiar with all of the things that are in this book, mm. but also kind of quite unique. Um, another one I absolutely love is her tahini halva brownies. Oh yeah, and I also, I think we've got the same, we're on palette. the same wavelength. We have the same Because yeah. <laughs> I, I think that one as well, I mean, they look incredible. And I think we've talked again before about tahini is such a huge 
trend at the minute in bacon, isn't yeah, it? Totally, because it has that. I mean, tahini is is sort of richness and fat and nuttiness yeah. and kind of but kind of savory, savory and sweet salty. and yeah, salty. Yeah, like lovely, it's, yeah. it really is almost like the dream in the, in the same way that miso is actually yeah. you know, a kind of dream kind of baking um, ingredient. But what I love about this is you know there's only a handful of ingredients yeah. and a handful of steps, but you create something totally unique. The recipes are simple. There's a beautiful photograph. It's also named after an anti-war Yeah, collection I read of that, prints. which I'd never seen before. So I went and had a yeah. look at them. It's a lith- lithograph, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So, which he did back in his early career yeah. when he was still drawing yeah. rather than doing the prints. So I love it. It's such a great title. Love is a pink cake. Fantastic. I mean, it really is. Okay, let's move on to a book that really makes Veg the star. This is Ravinda Bogal and Comfort and Joy. Irresistible Pleasures from a Vegetarian Kitchen. Tell us about this one, Good. Yeah, another absolutely, like, just stunningly beautiful book. So, Ravinda Bogle is just a brilliant chef, kind of entrepreneur mm. and sort of voice in food, really. Um, she is the founder of the restaurant Jaconi, which is in uh, Marleybone, um, and is of Kenyan Indian heritage, but is really inspired by all of the diver- diverse communities, yeah. immigrant communities, cultures and communities that there are in the UK, but also from her travels around the world, from her own family's kind of immigrant journey. And I just really love the way that she kind of imbues all of that sort of, that culture and all that travel and all those stories and narratives into her food. I mean, yeah. even th- the way that she writes is just so poetic. You yeah. kind of, you, you basically go on a journey when you read her words and then you go on an, a bigger journey when you actually taste her food. So her restaurant has won many accolades, but one that I think is really amazing is that she was actually, Chaconi, the restaurant, was the first independent restaurant to go carbon neutral. Oh, really? Which okay. is really, amazing, really, really yeah. brilliant. Um, she's also a columnist for the FT and The Guardian, um, and her food very much celebrates this sort of bringing together of world flavours yeah. in really kind of often unexpected ways. Um, this book, Comfort and Joy, um, is exactly that. It's celebrating the vegetarian yeah. kitchen. And it's so inventive. I mean, I was going through it yeah. and every single page I was like, wow, 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 exactly. wow. I've never, had that, I've never had that combination before. I've never, you know, and just so, it's, yeah. It's total. Even just reading her recipe titles is yeah. like a thrilling thing to do. Because it just sort of, <laughs> it, it, she almost sort of, rip, not doesn't sort of rip up the rules, but she kind of just has this really inventive way of putting things together mm. that you would never, when you hear them put together, they it's like they were always meant to be together, yeah. but yet they've never actually been, been put together, together yeah. before. So <laughs> it's you know, it's really it's wonderfully inventive. So it's a book of um globally inspired vegetarian and vegan dishes that make you want to sort of nourish your soul, mm. lift your mood, and they really do kind of put vegetables like very much kind of at the heart, but yeah. and not in a way that is sort of as we said, not in a way that's obvious, not in a way that's sort of... Um, like you're missing something. Yes, you're not missing no, anything. That's absolutely. what I got with it. The, the whole idea of, you know, but you, you never go like, where's the meat or where's yeah. the meat chapter? Because you're so surprised and delighted by Completely. each different recipe Completely. that you just kind of want to dive in there no, I and love get that. into it. I love it. So a few things I love about it. So I think that there's that kind of abundant, flavour-packed yeah. invitingness, which is why you don't ever miss the meat. Um I love the chapters themselves. So there's an entire chapter on dips, salsas, hummus and relishes. Yes. Perfect. Fantastic. Um, there's an entire chapter on pasta and noodles. There's even a chapter on breads and pancakes. Yeah. <laughs> Which, why, I mean, why, why wouldn't you want a chapter <laughs> on pancakes? She always kind of inspires you to sort of think outside of the box. And mm. it's that kind of level of kind of creativity that she has. But it's very beautifully photographed as well. Um, 
the other thing that I love about Ravinda's stuff is that the the prose is very personal. Yeah. Um, so she writes actually a lot about her grandfather, um, uh, who this book's dedicated to. Um, and there's these amazing metaphors around the kind of resilience of immigrants pulling things from the earth that's sort of, you know, that might be kind of dry and kind of arid. And yet you've got these beautiful vegetables and yeah. kind of the, the immigrant experience. I think it's a really beautiful kind of narrative she tells. Um there's a lot of personal memoir in it. Um, it's very lyrical and poetic, but like really joyful yeah. and kind of fun. Um, some of the recipes I loved, um, the celeriac steaks with kimchi butter. I know, I think I got, I grabbed kimchi that one because it was so good. Genius, complete genius. Another one that I loved was the soft polenta with braised fennel, mm. olives, capers, and then a pan grattato, which just looks so... Yeah. Delicious! This kind of braised fennel—it's—it's—it's it's, it's sort of almost treating these vegetables like yeah. they are meat, like really giving them that kind of sort of. And you can tell the stage. textures in that are going to be great, especially with the pan grattata, which yeah. is like a, a crunchy breadcrumb yeah, topping, sort of isn't like it? A gremolo- yeah, gremolos, yeah, breadcrumbs, exactly yeah. yeah, like a kind of crunchy yeah. breadcrumb herby sort of topping. And one of your choices I did pull out because I I just went past this and went wow which is the mango misu. Oh, the mango you chose misu. that one. It is. I've, tr- I've actually <laughs> tried this made by Ravinda herself and it is one of the most sublime. Name dropper. I'm not. I'm like, I'm not no, I was fortunate enough to go to the thing, but um, it's so delicious and tasty. So, so you've like got, a tiramisu. Like but... a tiramisu, but, but steeped in mangoes with lots of pistachios on it. So it, you've kind of got the sponge, you've got the creaminess, but it's got this sort of Beautiful. tangy tart mango nuts and then these and the like, colour of it um, as well I think it's what it's topped with is like a sort of lime is it lime zest oh Thai um, it's a Thai basil sugar yes, oh Thai my basil god sugar, yeah, yeah. which just gives it this kind of like massive zing at the end a real yeah. zing but this like unexpected kind of herbal kind of accent that you weren't sort of expecting yeah. um, a really amazing recipe that's the uh, Comfort and Joy by yeah. Ravinda Bogal gorgeous one <laughs> This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. So on to our next book. And I think this one covers what's really a hugely underrepresented cuisine in this country. Um, It's an Indonesian table by Petty Pandine Elliott. Um, We've actually got this coming up in Olive. I'm really excited about it. So I was was amazed when you chose it. I I love this book. I mean, it was was so hard to pick out of all the amazing books that have come out. But for me, this one really stood out. I mean, there was... An amazing book last year called um, Coconuts and Sambal by Laura Lee, yes, which sort which of went lovely. into um, Indonesian food. And that was kind of my first taste of it. But this sort of takes the story kind of like in, into even more depth. And I loved that. Um, so Pessi Panyali is an award-winning Indonesian chef. She's a writer, an entrepreneur, a philanthropist. Um, and actually has been has, is a best-selling Indonesian cookbook author of many books. Um, she was a guest judge on Indonesian Iron Chef. Oh, okay. Uh, and she was also listed one of Indonesia's most powerful women. I love that. In 2015. <laughs> I mean, go, go, Pessy. Right, I mean, I love it. Amazing. And this book is, I mean, it's really quite phenomenal. Basically, it navigates the food heritage and this yeah. like, vibrant 
food culture, really, of of Indonesia. But Indonesia, which I didn't know, is made up of 17,000 islands. islands. I know. And I, when you read that, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. And it's got 700 languages and six major religions. Yeah. So I just think, you know, the, the Indonesian archipelago in itself is just this incredible, varied, vast sort of part of the world yeah. that is kind of in some ways so disparate, but yet also so kind of connected by its yeah. kind of food culture. And what I love is the way that this book sort of really sort of traces that and does an amazing homage to it. Mm. Um, so it's filled with loads of personal stories about her homeland and recipes that really sort of celebrate this rich cur- uh, cultural culture. Um the way that it's split is that she's kind of dives into the regionality of eight different areas. Yeah. So there are chapters on places like Java, Bali, um, Sulawesi. I'm going to get these, the, the pronunciation wrong. The Maluku <laughs> Islands, Sumatra. And I think what you really get is how the geographies of these of all of these places are just so different yeah. in many ways. And also the way that that's then expressed through food, food is also yeah. so different. So you've got this remarkable kind of food culture that expands such a mass of an Depending area. on where it is. I suppose it's a bit like, you know, when we, I, I said Indian food yeah. before, but it it's, really, it's, it's, it, it encompasses exactly. so many different yeah. regionalities, which I'm learning about as Completely. well, which all cook in Completely. very, very different ways because it's such a huge Completely. area. So, exactly. yeah. But even like, you know, like we've talked about this before, but like Italian cuisine and French exactly, cuisine. Exactly, yeah, like, yeah. So And we're only just starting to think well, about yeah, exactly. that, not and under umbrella terms. Exactly. So I, what I love yeah. about this is the way it kind of went into that. So, the other thing that I like about it is that she sort of interweaves a lot of the kind of trading history about the spice trade, about mm. migration, about how the physical landscape kind of has sort of affected all of that. Um, and it's a real sort of immersion into the different cultures that have kind of come together. So within, in, with Indonesian food, there's the Arabic culture, the Indian, the European, the Chinese, and it sort of combines with the sort of indigenous ingredients yeah. and culminates in this sort of really flavour-forward, punchy cuisine that is, you know, very umami, salty, spicy, sour, often quite sweet. <laughs> like, it's all of the delicious things. The other thing that I loved, actually, about this book, which builds on that, is it's not often that you look at an ingredient list at the beginning and and don't know what a lot of them are. And yeah. I didn't with this one. And I yeah. love that. Yeah. So there were things like Assam, uh, Assam Gelaga, which is a bit like a sort of mangosteen tamarind crossover. Yeah. Um, kanker, chive bulbs, Salem leaves, torch ginger. Yeah. I mean, um, I, this made me immediately want to go yeah. to kind of uh, an Asian supermarket and get all of these things because mm. it was this, this sort of sense of discovery. Um, I noticed, though, that she does... She does do a lot of work in trying... There's a couple of recipes where I think there was a torch ginger and she said, I don't want you to miss out making this. So if you can't get it, you yes, can yes, use ginger. Yes. And it's lovely the way she talks about exactly. it and saying, like, please do if you can't. Yeah. But if you can't, this dish is so great exactly. and you can make it. And I think that's really nice to have the permission yes, to then go off and try is, it. I know, you know exactly what you mean. But yeah. then also that idea of the, that there is this extra nuance yeah. if you do go to that level, yeah. level of depth. So I kind of really love that. So, I mean, some of the ones I loved, and there are so many in this book... Um, there's a prawn and seaweed seaweed salad with spiced coconut dressing. Oh, yeah, lovely. And I've made that spiced coconut dressing, and I think I put it on every single thing that I then <laughs> ate that week. I was, like, having cereal with this dressing on it. It was so, but that's so great. delicious. Because how many times do you get that thing where someone says, oh, keep keep the rest in the fridge and use it later, and then you find you it find, two exactly, months later like, no, with some mould growing on this, top. So Honestly, that's spiced coconut dressing. Um, there was sweet corn fritters with chilli and a tomato sample. Yeah, I've got I that love. one, because that is amazingly one of the ones that I chose. 
chose to feature in Olive magazine because it's just such a love. I love a fritter. I mean, yeah. who doesn't love a fritter? <laughs> <laughs> you love a fritter. No, completely. Um, and it's so pretty on the it banana really leaves pretty. there. I guess the it's super simple. Yeah. Like really, like a real punch of flavour. But, but it uses the lime leaves in the fritter as well, yeah. which I love, like really finely cut up and you'll get that little burst like of lime leaf cl- yeah, yeah. flavour, yeah. Um, I mean, some of the other ones I loved, I love the pork satay with chilli, yeah, ginger that, and lime. That's that one there. That one, again, just beautiful I love pictures. the styling on it yeah, as well. It's, really, it's just very really simple yeah. and makes you want to just dive in Completely. and make that. And that comes with a, a rika rika kind of sambal, which you use half of to make the marinade for the pork and then yeah. you serve the rest of it with the pork. I love, I love that as well. Just... Um, there was a couple, I love the jacaratin chicken noodles as well. Mm. And then the desserts are also really delicious. There was yeah. a grilled pineapple with palm sugar and coconut Gorgeous. milk, which is just super simple. But yeah, I think a cuisine that's, you know, now starting to get a lot more kind of airtime, but if you want yeah. sort of something that's, I'd say, sort of quite a definitive book in terms yeah. of using cuisine, this is quite a good one to go and, to. And each of the, um, you know, each recipe has, has quite a, um, a long intro to tell you about the dish where it's from it gives you you know exactly the region it's from which i think is great for all of that extra info fabulous love that one cool okay now the next book so i was going to say i love any book that suggests eating a cheese toasty with an extra dry martini as a friday night solo dinner treat i mean my kind of book (laughs) Any time of day. I'm, I'm here up. for a cheese toasty any time up. of day. Bring it on. <laughs> um, and this is The Art of Friday Night Dinner from Eleanor Stiefel. Stiefel. Okay. I love this book. Yeah, I, I love this book. From the minute I got this, I was just completely drawn to it. Mm. Um, so a bit about Eleanor. So she's a features writer and columnist for The Daily Telegraph. And she has a, a column which is called The Art of Friday Night Dinner, which mm. sort of celebrates kind of the end of the week. And this book is exactly that. It's about <laughs> it's about that moment on Friday night yeah. where you've switched your emails off. Yeah. <laughs> you've kind of sent the last emails. You've kind of left the office. You've got home. You've poured yourself that first drink. Yeah. Uh, you maybe opened some delicious crisps and you then <laughs> kind of go, what am I going to eat yeah. now? And it's this idea of like Friday night eating being an adventure that could yeah. be absolutely anything, anything you want yeah. it to be. And that then sort of sets the tone for the rest of your weekend in many ways. Um, and I really love that sentiment around around it. And mm. it's so true because there is something very special about a Friday night yeah. that you don't get on any other night yeah. of the week. It's not the, like, because when I first saw it, I, I, for some reason in my head, I thought, oh, it's, it's all about occasion cooking. But it's not. It's the opposite no, of occasion it's cooking. it's total opposite. It's kind of treat cooking. Yes. And sometimes... You know, I think the, when I was reading the chapter on kind of solo dining, it's it's about tr- there are other chapters with yeah. you know with friends, but the idea of just treating yourself to something really lovely and yes. tasty just for you, I love that I, idea. I, I, this is what I love about it. It's a real um, sort of celebration of kind of self love, of yeah. friendship, of platonic love with friends, yeah. of kind of. You know, even basically having friends around, getting in your pajamas, putting on a movie, but eating something totally delicious yeah. because that's, you know, it's about this idea of sort of food as this kind of connecting thread through everything. I love the sentiment of it. Um, <laughs> some of the other things I love about it. So the chapter titles are amazing. Um, there's an entire chapter called 
fried crumbs make everything better. Yeah, and they which, do. Which they do, exactly. <laughs> um, there's a chapter called Puddings to Eat in the Bath. Yeah. Amazing. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, puddings to eat but the I would have one of her nice drinks so, in the bath. Totally. <laughs> um, and then one of my favourites, which is the Midnight Frying Pan. Oh, I'm wow. a big Midnight Frying Pan person. <laughs> is this I'm, after, after? This out? is before, you know, before or after a night out or sometimes you're just having a night in and you kind of get, you know, you've been watching a movie, you've had a few glasses of wine. You and want you need that grilled gigs. cheese. You need something. <laughs> and what I love is that this sort of celebrates those kind of moments. Mm. Um, the recipe, I mean, there's all sorts of recipes I love in this. Um, um, a lot of them are sort of real classics, but with kind of unique twists. So mm. there's a Bloody Mary rigatoni. Oh, yeah, I think I got a picture of that. Which... It's kind of like a twist on pasta a la vodka, isn't it? Yes. Which is a big amount. And, and I've seen that everywhere. Vodka pasta minute. has gone... Why has it gone mad? People have Come gone on, you're a trend expert. People have gone nuts. Why has everyone gone I think no, there's quite a few... Um, a few books recently oh, have kind of had their own spin on it. And um, I think there were a few chefs, people like Alison Roman, I think, have been talking about oh, okay. um, vodka pasta. So, yeah. um, so that kind of... What does vodka um, do? Does it just lift the sauce? It, li- it just... It, it it adds a sort of assertive sort of sharpness. But you but don't quite it. know what it but is. you don't quite know what it because is. Because actually, like, you know, cooked tomatoes can be quite sweet and a little yeah. bit cloying. So I guess it just cuts through it, that exactly. and gives it a, yeah. It gives it. But if you then add cream as well. Yeah. If you have like a, ever, if you ever have like a creamy vodka sauce, it's yeah. sort of like... It makes it just sort of hit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the signs of it. Hits but differently. It hits differently. Say. It hits differently. Um, but the, I mean, the, the, the Bloody Mary Rigatoni, completely yeah. delicious. Another one I loved, which is super simple, is sausages um, with lemony caraway cabbage and apples. Oh, just lovely. Super delicious. Who doesn't love a sausage, though? Completely. Yeah. Um, there is um, roast chicken with, I love this, chicken juice rice. Oh, yeah, I got this. Because this is... This is one of my things. This is my thing. Okay, this is your thing. Right, this is Janine's. My thing is um, roasting a chicken on a Sunday and then doing something with the juices that isn't making yes. gravy. Okay. So it could be stirring through rice or bulgur wheat or orzo, Delicious. but making the most of yeah. that gorgeous yeah, juice yeah, that's yeah. left in the pan. And then, and then you know, maybe some fresh herbs or yeah. some roasted veg that you've roasted with a chicken. But yeah, so I love this. That chicken, and, yeah, chicken juice rice. Yeah, and she cooks it with... Um, mustards, sugar, fennel seeds, garlic, like loads of aromatics, and then takes the chicken out, puts the, the rice in, and then puts it back in, so almost like a pilaf. Completely. And I love that idea. It's, yeah. it's that idea of kind of using all of all yeah. of the flavour that this chicken is going to impart in every yeah. aspect of the dish. Yeah. But doing that on a Friday night, like taking this moment to yeah. be like, like, why save that for a Sunday? Yeah. Like, this is the moment to do it. Like, and then go you on can, your bench yeah, from a Friday. You can lie in on a Saturday and you've still got a whole two days <laughs> exactly. to go. To exactly. kind of go, you totally. know. It's really joyful. It's really kind of happy. It's about friendship. It's yeah. about celebrating the end of the week. And I think it will, you know, reading the, reading the chapters leading into it, it really made me think a lot about how I cook and who I cook for and like, totally. and maybe not to wait for that occasion no. to like crack out the special no, no, no. crockery. Well, and, I agree. <laughs> like if you've got, if make you, a little yeah, make, ceremony of it. You make know? a ceremony of it just in your pyjamas with friends. It's yeah. that actually <laughs> in some ways you're going to make more memories doing that than yeah. waiting 
for the pressure of a birthday. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> having to do all of the big exactly. stuff. And yeah, yeah, I love it. No, love that one. Fantastic. Andy Oliver is probably familiar to most people from TV, but she's written this beautiful new book, The Pepperbot Diaries, um, celebrating her Caribbean her- heritage. Yes. This is gorgeous, isn't oh, it? Oh, it's gorgeous. I love, love, I love this one. And again, <clears> it was really hard to choose, but there was something just super joyful and kind of connecting about this book that I just really, really love. So, yeah, as you said, Andy Oliver is an award-winning chef. She's the host of um, Great British Menu. Um, And she also recently did a a programme called uh, The Caribbean with Andy and Makita. Oh, yeah, when they went back, yeah. When they went back, which which I thought was a really kind of heartfelt, incredible kind of journey of discovery for them both, back to their own kind of Caribbean heritage. Um, Mm. But before that, she she actually started out in um, a band. So she was the... She was she fronted Rip, Rick, and Panic. Yeah, do you not remember? I do, I oh, do. Yeah. And then a cherry. Um, and actually, there's a lot of that kind I'm of comes through. <laughs> a lot of that comes through in the book. But then she was also um, she had her own successful restaurant. She was mm. a creative director of the Birdcage Pub in Columbia Road, which yeah. is very near where I live. Um, and she most recently she opened Andy's, which was her own restaurant. And then she had uh, Wadadley Kitchen, which yeah. was sort of shining a light on real Caribbean home cooking yeah. and what I love is that there's this kind of exploration of identity and migration and cultural exchange all through Andy's lens which sort of is it's totally unique and really joyful but really sort of insightful as well yeah uh, in, in terms of the kind of the depth that she goes into it with so um this is a it's kind of a hybrid it's I mean it's definitely a recipe book there's over a hundred recipes and some of them are traditional and some of them mm. are new but it's also a sort of memoir. It's an exploration. I mean, it is a diary in many ways. Yeah, because like she talks are... about she's there for a, a period of time, isn't she? And people yeah. are turning up and she's exactly. cooking with them. And Completely. stories are coming out of that. It's lovely. So you kind of got this like travel log exploration, but it really sort of has this sense of trying to explore identity and heritage, these questions of, you know, mm. who we are where we're going, why we eat the the food we do, and kind of, I suppose, how all these things evolve with people and travels and things like that. So a really unique kind of sort of approach, I suppose, to a kind of cookbook in many ways. Um, The chapters are really amazing. There's things like the Ital is Vital chapter. There's everyday cooking. There's a curries uh, chapter. There's a whole chapter on cornmeal and cassava. Yeah, which which is incredible. Which I just think is amazing. but the thing that I really loved about it, which I hadn't ever fully really understood quite so much, was how many different influences there are yeah. on Caribbean cuisine, you know, for lots of different, you know, good and bad reasons. But there are sort of the, the Indian heritage, the, there's the Spanish, the American, the African, the Chinese, the Portuguese, the British and French. Yeah. But then there's all of those kind of indigenous inhabitants as well. And what I think I learned from this book was really how sort of truly global Caribbean cuisine Absolutely, is. Absolutely, yeah. It's this amalgamation of all these different things. And she really does sort of go into a lot of those stories. It's sort of very, it's very personal the way she does it. But it's sort of, it's not, um, it's there to kind of say this is this is how Caribbean cuisine has evolved. Into yeah, she, igno- she acknowledges she it acknowledge- along exactly. the way, doesn't she? Yeah. On each recipe, she'll say that the reason this is here is exactly. probably because of, because this. of this. And she doesn't really shy away from no, you know, the I difficult. Really think that's and, important. Yeah, but at the same time, you know, it, it, she kind of acknowledges it and then moves on to yeah. the food. And I think that's it's kind of a great way of saying, you know, we are we honouring like our past. Yeah, yeah completely. Basically. And we're taking stock of it and actually yeah. by sort of bringing it into the present with yeah. these amazing recipes. Um, yeah. I thought there was a love 
lovely bit where um, she talks about a saying in the Caribbean where you like someone's hand in a dish and it means that you like what the invisible thing that a cook brings to a dish and that goes through some like all of the conversations I've had on this podcast with cooks from all over the globe and they've all got some kind of variation on that that invisible thing that the cook brings to their to their food it's that it's that impossible like it's it's either the love or the actual like there's this phrase around the flavor of a mother's hand or something which you can never get no like I can never make my chapatis taste anything like my mum's but She's she's the one that taught me yeah. how to do them, but it's that love of them. I don't know, yeah. there's something. And yeah, that really does come through in the book. Yeah, um, some of the recipes that I loved, um, there is <clears> tea <throat> brined barbecue chicken. Oh yeah, I think we've got a picture Amazing. of that one. It looks completely delicious. Again, tea, like popular. Tea, she yes. uses, um, using tea in the brine. She's using Earl Grey tea bag in the brine, which is, that looks fantastic, really, doesn't really it? Makes delicious. you want to go and crack your barbecue out. It's just so delicious. Okay. Are you a fan of brining? I'm a huge, yeah. brining and salting. Yeah. Um, even if I don't get to go to the full extreme of kind of brining, I often do, it's a very Indian thing, but whenever you make tandoori chicken, mm. you always do a double marinade. So the first marinade oh, okay. is always lemon juice and salt. Yeah. And you leave that for half an hour. Yeah. And then you do a second marinade, which is the tantori paste. So I do a quick brine very often. Actually, yeah. in, in in my book, and in a lot of my recipes, there's a sort of lemon brine, I call it. Okay. Which, which is, is basically a tandoori chicken off, yeah. method. Um, but it just adds in an extra... Yeah, it's like layering up the layer flavors, of, isn't exactly. it? Yeah. And getting the salt kind of yeah. deep into the meat. Um Another one that I loved was there's an aubergine spinach and okra chop-up. Um, a stout braised oxtail. This is probably the best recipe title I've I've read this year. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to say it a few times. Cheese, leek, and smoked yeah. chili, rarebit, bread and butter pudding. Yeah, I, I pulled this isn't one out. That, isn't that completely What a remarkable? surprise. Isn't that remarkable? <laughs> Cheese, leek, and smoked chili, rarebit, so, bread and butter pudding. So basically, it's a bread and butter pudding with cheese and leeks. But, but with rabbit, rabbit yes, yeah. rabbit style. Sort of all layered up, yes. like a bake, Isn't and then you, yeah. It kind of fluffs up. It's sort of like a sort of cheesy fluffed up Looks, rabbit souffle. Oh my god! It's it just, sounds so want to make completely it. phenomenal. And another one which I haven't made yet, but I'm going to, is her Uncle Arnold's pear rum and sultana cake. Oh which yeah, just that sounds fantastic. And tastes like it would just taste completely delicious. But no, love no. this book. It's really personal. I mean, some of the things I loved about it, there's an entire diary entry all about cooking with Nina Sherry, which I love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there's also a QR code at the beginning which takes you through to a Spotify playlist. Which that, you can so you can cook you and can listen cook and sing and dance. And dance. And sing along. Yeah. Yeah, it is a really joyous celebration, isn't it? Yeah. it. Fantastic. Love what a lovely book. We actually had um, Imad from Imad Syrian Kitchen on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, if anyone wants to go back and listen to the full conversation, he's such a beautiful man and he's so inspirational. Yeah. And it, I'd like, you know, I choke up just thinking about what he went through to get to to us and to, and you know, to open his restaurant and to kind of, and, and and what's interesting about Imad is everything he does comes from this place of sharing, giving back to other people. You know, he's yeah. fantastic. Tell, tell us about this book though, from your perspective. So, yeah, so this is um, Imad Alanab's book, mm-hmm. uh, Imad's Syrian Kitchen. And his story, if you don't know it, is a really remarkable one. So he was a really successful restaurateur in Damascus. Uh, he had three restaurants. He had juice bars, he had cafes. And then... Because of the war, all of his restaurants were destroyed and he was forced to flee the country. Mm. Um, And he had to flee effectively on on his own without his family and kind of 
eventually made his way to the UK and eventually his family was safely able, able to, join to join him. But what this book does is it basically tells the story of what it means to be a refugee. Yeah. Um, all told through his food, through his memories, through his own journey from London to Syria and everywhere else kind of in, bete- in between. But done in a way that is still a love letter to Damascus, yeah. which I just think is it's just so personal. It's so beautiful. It's so sort of lyrical. There's this sense of this sort of extreme loss for a yeah. place and, you know, just sort of fear and the kind of um, just the desperate things that you will do to sort of to, to, to get to a place of safety and then to get your family to that place. Yeah. And yet Imad sort of comes through it with this sort of joie de vie for life. Just yeah. this kind of this sense of, you know, like I'm I'm still here. My family yeah. join me. And like, it's like gratitude, isn't it? It's gratitude. Yeah. And it's, yeah. like, it's exactly that. And yeah. it's so it's such a beautiful book. Um what was really amazing about his story is that he then, when he eventually got to the UK, he started doing kind of a series of supper clubs at home, which got loads of media attention. Yeah. And actually, Imad, a lot of people know his name because there was the big sort of Cook for Syria initiative, um, which Imad was sort of one of the sort of figureheads of in many ways, um, which eventually turned into him having his own restaurant on Coffee yeah. Street. Um, this book is a celebration of all of that. So um, there is a lot about what it means to be a refugee, what it is to be a refugee. He talks a lot very openly about his journey. Um, but he, and he also talks very longingly about Damascus. Yeah. And, you know, and like it is, in, it is very much a love letter to that. Um, it's sort of split into lots of different things. So there's this kind of whole chapter on spice mixes. Mm-hmm. There's a whole chapter on kind of basics. A whole chapter on mezes and dips. There's about twenty hummus recipes, yeah, which I love. Hummus. <laughs> he loves hummus, but like hummus topped with all sorts of things. Yeah. Like I mean, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But absolutely, <clears> I find that so so inspiring. And then there's kind of mains and desserts, and it really does dive into his journey kind of around the UK, but mm. then also sort of um, to Damascus as well. The one thing I really loved about this book is that at the beginning there's this whole sort of essay, which is sort of the way that we eat, yeah, which sort of explores the spirit and culture of Syrian eating, which I just thought was a really beautiful kind of scene setting for Definitely. the rest of the book. Yeah, because then of, you understand yeah. how the recipes fit into Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I really sort of, I, I love that. It was almost an invitation into like, this is how you know, yeah. this is how and why these dishes are, kind of how they are. And I, I've not really seen that explained in that way before. It was like this sort of beautiful halo that then went over yeah, every other recipe. Yeah. I really, really liked that. Um some of the recipes I totally loved. So uh, a really, really simple one, which is at the beginning, there's an uh, there's an okra and oh, yeah. lavna, which super, super simple. They're sort of, the okra are kind of, they're sort of shredded in a way into these yeah. sort of long strips. But he makes them, because I know some, it can be a bit div- divisive okra, can't it? Because it I, can you be. love it. I know Louie love loves it. <laughs> I love some it. People, some people yeah. think it fine, it's slimy. Yeah. But, but I think if you if you cook it right, you yeah. get that lovely crunchy yeah, yeah. and he does that. He shreds it and makes it really beautiful and crunchy and yeah. Um, gorgeous. With a lavna. Yep. A delicious um, lamb shoulder recipe which has just like a, a lovely spice mix. And actually, he has all of his spice mixes at the beginning and then they're sort of The infused. basics chapter in this is fantastic. So I've made the chamula and various other bits from it. And he said on the pod- podcast, I was like, what should I start with? And he went, just start with some of the basics and then you can use them in your, in you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah, that is, that's stunning, isn't it? That lamb. That's beautiful. Gorgeous. Really gorgeous. I was going to say, because one thing that I got from my conversation with him, and it was about the way that he, his family eats, is 
he said like we don't we don't have a meal that's just a meal it's a, like an ever evolving yeah. meal so he was like you know you'll you will make a big batch of hummus and you make a big batch of salad and you'll make some flatbreads and there'll be pickles and there'll be boiled eggs and there'll be bit, bits and pieces and you have your meal for that day and there might be a meat dish or a fish dish or there might not and then what isn't eaten gets put back in the fridge and then comes out the next day to be added to. Yeah. And so, it's so ever that, evolving. Yeah, it's ever evolving and ever and, and, and nothing goes to waste yeah, because you'll that. pick up the yeah. little bits and then make something from it for the next day or eat, eat it alongside something else. I love that yeah. way. It's like no waste, you yeah, know, the ultimate. It. Yeah. Um there's a very inventive Syrian fish and chips with tahini. Oh yeah, that was Delicious. great. Yeah, um, with like a tahini sauce. Yeah, I really love that one. And then there was a cabs of rice with chicken. I I'm really into to baked rices at the yeah. I love like I, I love, love all rice. of those kind of baked rices and then there's um, I might say this wrong but Mahalia with mastic which is a set cream pudding oh wow I love mastic I did mastic as one of my hero ingredients for olive, olive recently yeah. so mastic is this kind of resin that's kind of got a delicious sort of slightly menthol-y vanilla it's taste it's used a lot in Greek cooking it's used it? a lot in Greek yes yeah. Greek, Greek cooking Turkish, Turkish cooking yeah. um, but for me I love the fact that in this recipe he's kind of using it almost as that kind of gelatin setting agent. Oh, that's it. It, it yeah. looks really, really delicious. Yeah, almost like fantastic. a sort of creamy sort of syllabub kind uh, of... Yeah, exactly that. But yeah. with that flavour of mastic. Um, yeah. I just really love this book. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it's, you know, the, the recipes are fresh, they're vibrant. It's, spicy, it's rare, it, Yeah, and also tangy, like, it, it's delicious. quite rare for me. Well, it's not rare, but... You know, when I, I was flicking through it and there was so much I wanted to make um, and I was having a kind of barbecue and I saw this recipe for um, um, Matuma crushed new potatoes. Delicious. And what it is, is it's the, the, the base is Greek yogurt and you make his chamula, which is preserved lemon, herbs, um, garlic, whizzed up. And you swirl that through the yogurt and then you put crispy potatoes, uh, crispy roast potatoes tossed in butter and sumac on top. Amazing. And I mean, I it's did... It, honestly, everyone, it was like a plague of locusts at this barbecue. People just Amazing. kept going back. I made a huge platter. There was yeah. nothing left. It was scraped clean. And it's really little simple yeah. things like that. Well, that it's I like think a of, deconstructed potato salad, but in yeah, the most unbelievable yeah. way. And also the hot and the cold. Yeah, uh, I love that. You know, so love I love that, that as well. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, this and this is the thing. Like, it's one of those books where... There's simple flavour packed things, but things that you want to eat kind yeah. of every day. Yeah. Um, and just told in a beautiful kind of, you know, lyrical, mm. moving, extremely I mean, the story is heartbreaking, but it's also, as I said, it's inspirational yeah. because of, you know, the fact that he's still sitting here saying, I just want to help people. I yeah. just want to feed people, yeah. which is great. I mean, that's a lovely to end on such an inspirational book. Um, and we will put all of the details of the books we talked about in the notes for the podcast, which will be out on Friday, as I said. I think we'll probably leave it there. So thanks to Gerd for sharing all of his wisdom. And thanks to all of the authors today for writing these wonderful books. And thank you to everyone who's joined us on Instagram and those brilliant questions. That was great. So I hope you all enjoyed it and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Olive Podcast. For recipes and more information, head to olivemagazine.com. Do remember to listen out for our effortless bonus episodes where our guests reveal their best cooking cheats, hacks and shortcuts. And don't forget to subscribe at iTunes, Acast, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.